the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. This is Cassie. And this is Jesse, And you are listening to Perched on the Top Rope. from the richest, the Sportster, Daily DDT, Ringside News, and Sports Kita, I am Lee Walker, and I am joined by the Perched Correspondent, and he's also a vlogger at YouTube.com and Justin We Trust, Justin Largito, and our YouTube video editor, audio editor, part of Twitch.tv slash Perched on the Top Rope, streaming tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and he'll tell you the time in a second, Alex Todd. Thank you for the introduction, Lee. Yes, we will be streaming at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time tonight. And tonight, in honor of Impact Bound for Glory, we are going to be doing a tournament for the Impact World Championship. Justin, myself, and Lee will all be entered. We told you a couple of weeks ago we were going to have hires for all of the characters that we despise. Justin will be Justin Hausen. Lee will be part of the Judgment Day, and I will unfortunately be part of Pretty Deadly. And we will yeah. be play- I will be playing this entire tournament on Legendary Difficulty, which we have come to know with the newer game is a lot harder than it used to be. So hopefully I don't get my ass kicked. Tune in and stay in the chat, guys. I need you to vote tonight because if at any point me, Lee, or Justin come up against each other, you guys are going to vote on who I'm going to play. That's all I got, brother. Well, we're going to start the show off with a 10-bell salute, so we're going to be quiet for that for a second. Rest in peace, Sarah Lee, former WWE Tough Enough Season 6 winner. Her class was had a lot of people. Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Chelsea Green. Uh, we knew him as Patrick Clark Jr. on the show, Velveteen Dream. A lot of stars from Billy Gunn, Lita, Chris Jericho, The Miz were all part of the show as well. Uh, rest in peace. We don't know what happened. Uh, she posted on Instagram. Her her last post was finally able to go to the gym after having her first ever sinus infection. And she's gone. We'll have a link in the description for the GoFundMe. Guys, as we've seen, the GoFundMe in just a mere three days has raised over $100,000 with 
incredible, incredible likes. Uh, Kevin Owens and family donating 5,000. Uh, owner of AEW, Tony Khan donating 10,000. Elias donated 2,000. Madcap Moss donated 2,000. Titus O'Neil, 2,000. Rhea Ripley, 1,000. Malachi Black and Zelina, 1,000. Sean Spears and Cassie, 1,000. Uh, Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona, 750, again, being part of the class. Sonya Deville, 1,000. Guys, there's just so many stars in everything that donated to this. Now, uh, Sarah Lee did not have a long career with WWE. She was part of NXT for a little bit, uh, I believe for a couple months uh, before being released. Uh, and then it wasn't soon after she started having children as she's married to Wesley Blake. Uh, this is a very, very tragic thing. Uh, we haven't had seemingly a, a, a death in professional wrestling that has taken everybody back since Brody Lee. And it's a, this one's just a shocker to everybody. It was clearly shocking you could see the outpour and the outcry on, on social media from, from everyone in the business. Just a sad, sad thing to happen, especially with, you know, no answers. I agree. It's, it's a very, <clears throat> very, very sad. Um, I watched most of that season of tough enough, you know, like you said, we had people like Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Velveteen dream, Chelsea green commander is ease. Uh, a, a, a stacked group of tough enough contestants that became superstars. Sarah Lee seemed like she more impacted people behind the scenes. She was friends with a lot of the people that are still on the current roster. You know, I, part of that is probably due to her ties of being married to Wesley Blake, um, her time in tough enough. It's just, it's incredibly sad to see. Nobody wants to see anybody die, let alone that young and again, we we stress here at Perched on the Top Rope that you click on the GoFundMe link. And if, if you can help in any way, if you were a fan of hers, if you're a fan of the sport, if you can help in any way and you're able to, please donate to their cause because you got to imagine it's pretty hard on the family right now. Yeah, 30 years old is way too young to go, especially when you're leaving behind three kids and a, and a husband, you know? And it's great to see that there's still generosity in this world with how many people have donated to this GoFundMe to help out that family? Yeah, and it's been, uh, like I said, I, I just listed off a, a bunch of current superstars that were heavy, heavy hitters in the don the donations. And mm -hmm. I don't know how, his last name is Weston. You know, I don't know how Wesley goes, you know, goes from here. Because the children are young. They're not old enough to, you know, seemingly have the oldest watch the younger two. Uh, they need babysitters. And being a professional wrestler, you work a lot of weekends. You're gone. You know, you have matches Friday, Saturday, travel Sunday to be back to work for Monday. You know, so Thursday to seemingly Sunday, he's gone. How does that, how's it going to, you know, he's got a lot to figure out now. Uh, I'm sure he's got great family support. This could, I don't want to say take him out of wrestling, but he was part of the control your narrative. And we saw that they had released everybody. 
and that's seemingly over with from my understanding. He had worked a couple of uh, AEW YouTube, like dark and dark elevation matches and stuff, but I don't believe he signed anywhere. So at this point, is he going to just go to a nine to five? Does he just take all the time off that he needs to? Because, you know, regular jobs, like a regular nine to five, we don't get a lot of grievances days. Right. No. Uh, you know, and for him, if he's not on the road, then he's not getting paid also. We know that. Um, seeing the donations is is really great, though. Expecting it for, you know, just, you know, funeral expenses and, and whatnot. But then when you see everybody coming out of the woodwork and see that in three days over $100,000 has been raised for for the families is a beautiful thing and we highly encourage everybody to donate um rest in peace sarah lee uh, to the friends and family we send our condolences she now gets to go join that squared circle in the sky with all of the rest of the unfortunate souls we've lost but she's in good company um yeah, it's just, it's incredibly sad to see, and it's, I'm not trying to, like, make a weird point about this, but this is also, like, the third or fourth death we've seen from Tough Enough contestants, and the second in the last year, I don't remember the man's name, Justin, you might, but there was uh, um, one of the former Tough Enough, I believe, winners passed away from cancer earlier this year, too. Uh, Matt Capitelli. Yep, Matt Capitelli, and then there's there's been a couple others, too. It's, the, the show is almost cursed in my opinion and i i think with this having happened now too and everybody re remembering her mostly from the most recent tough enough season i would say it's almost time to retire that show for good granted i know they only do it every couple of years but i i think i think in memory of her now i think it's almost time to retire that show right i don't think you'll see that show ever come back to be honest with you now that they've got like all these training camps that they do they've got the next level with the yeah to try and get people ready for nxt they've got you know they've got various stages now for for everything like that and i just i don't see them pulling people who uh for all intents purpose have no wrestling experience try out for a reality show and i just do the parentheses because you hear some of those names they already had some training under their belt as is so yeah yeah, and I think the most recent season, even though it interlapped with NXT, was more so because NXT was still getting off the ground. This was what, in like 2016? 2015. 2015. So NXT, as we know, it was only about three years in at that point. It wasn't established like it is now. No, and when they had, you know, tough enough through various, they were just trying for like any any sort of reality show to to try and get off the ground, and right. it didn't work. It's not going to be anything that comes back to be. Now honest. they have their own reality shows on the network and on USA too. So there's that yeah. too. Tough enough is never going to be anything that that gets brought back. But if it wasn't for tough enough, we also wouldn't have a, I'd say, quite a few great wrestlers out there that that we enjoyed and got some great moments. And uh, I just wish Sarah would have had that great moment because seemingly her great moment was winning tough enough. And then that was, that was really it. Yeah. Rest in Dad. peace. It's a uh, very sad, feel bad for 
uh, the three young children who unfortunately are going to grow up not knowing their mother. And that's, that's the hardest part to me in, in all of this. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So uh, hopefully she's up in that ring in the sky with the rest of the legends and enjoying a great show that they're putting on up, up in heaven, man. Uh there's no subtle way to move on from talking about someone passing away while trying to do news. There's let's be honest. So first Justin and I are going to talk about our experience with bound for glory. So Justin's always lucky enough that at these events, because it's in Albany first time impact had been in Albany in what? 10 years, I believe Justin, uh, just about 10 years. Yep. So next week, fans, you'll be able to uh, enjoy our vlog at youtube.com slash perch on the top rope and youtube.com slash injustin we trust. As we blogged about our experience at Bound for Glory, there's a lot of a lot of stuff there. So enjoy that. We had a great time. Uh, got to meet Mickey James. She uh, remembered the set and loved it. Uh, met Brian Myers and talked Hasbro's. That was really cool. And fans, you can go and listen to our interviews with Jordan Grace. Why do I fucking blank out? Fuck. You can watch our interviews with Jordan Grace, Heath, and Mickey James at youtube.com slash perch on the top rope. And for you Apple podcast fans, it's Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be found perched on the top rope. Oh, it's like a mouthful trying to do all these shameful plugs nowadays. My God. Uh, for those who are watching at home, I did go home with a little something, something as uh, I have a ring used turnbuckle from bound for glory. Uh, it's embedded with sweat. That is apparently just never going to come off, which I was unaware of, but it makes it more interesting. Justin bought a ring skirt. Yeah. Like the ring skirt. He, he, he's got one. And this and is and what, a second one you have now. This is the second one I have, and then I also have a turnbuckle. So I own about five percent of that ring. I tried to buy the posts, but they wouldn't sell them for some reason. <laughs> they weren't selling the posts. It was. It was. It. It. It is what it is. Uh, Bound for Glory was awesome. It was a great show. Absolutely. Seven matches. It was a great card. The fans. Us as fans, I think, you know, that was a great experience as well. This was my second show with Impact going to. Uh, Justin got to go the next day to the tapings, which uh, we are not spoiler free tonight, folks, because you are going to get this Thursday's Impact results on tonight's show. And then this coming week, we're going to talk about next week on what Impact has going on. So the spoiler freeze, the way to be is off the table, folks. It is off the table. We are spoiler free tonight. We are fucking telling spoilers. Anyway bound, anyway, bound for glory. Great, great show. The crowd was hot. A lot of returns, a lot of surprises. Let's get into the results. Yeah, so uh, 
let's not forget on the countdown to Bound for Glory show, we had the the digital media championship match. Uh, Brian Myers put out an open challenge, and it was accepted by nobody saw this coming uh, by Dirty Dango, formerly Fandango in WWE. Yeah, can we talk about that for a second? When when all four of us did our predictions on last week's show, we gave so many predictions as to who this person could have been. Like there was like a whole list between all of us. We went on for like five minutes as to who this could have been. Not a single one of us guessed Dango. Yeah, I, I didn't even have him in my head at all. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm very upset that it wasn't Danhausen. I'm very fucking thrilled that it wasn't Dan Housen because I didn't want to wrestle in that call your shot gauntlet match. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Brian Myers retained. Uh, looks like Dirty Dango is sticking around with Impact for a little bit because he did work the tapings the next night. And uh, that was an entertaining match that uh, we won't talk about today, but uh, we'll talk about that on the next show. Uh, but the show opened with, I know Alex was pretty happy about this, a X Division Championship match where Frankie Kazarian defeated Mike, uh, excuse me, Speedball Mike Bailey by submission to win the Impact X Division champion for the fifth time and making this also the first person to win the X Division championship in three different decades. Yeah, Frankie Kazarian, in my opinion, is just synonymous with the X Division title now. There's usually only about four people I think of when I think of that title, and it's usually AJ Styles, uh, Petey Williams, Frankie Kazarian, and Chris Sabin. And this just puts him up in that upper echelon of greatest X Division wrestlers of all time. And what a hell of a match it was! Yeah, that was very, a very cool moment. It was a great opening bout. I uh, I definitely had fun in the crowd during this match. And I think Justin knows why. Because of Speedball! Oh, God. Ah, oh, man. Sat there and I, I still think to myself, you know, they have to know what a Speedball is. Like, it, it's, it's, it, it's got to be a known thing. Um, oh, God, man. Are you guys yelling Speedball and just trying to uh, impersonate David Penzer? No, I'm just kind of doing my own thing, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was on. supposed to be a David Penzer impersonation or not. No, I just caught on he was doing it, so I figured I could try and time it right. But, uh, no, nah, man, it was that was a great, great match. I yeah, always have fun with the speedball name. I, I did in the crowd, and I, be, I believe at uh, believe I, I let the, the crowd know I, I tried not to make a super super big drug reference but uh i kind of made it aware i you know well he finally got sick of it and he's like well someone's gotta let him know oh it was fun though it was fun though dude the crowd the crowd on our side was amazing yeah absolutely uh and then we go into our next match which was a Part of the last rodeo, a career-threatening match where if Mickey James had lost, she would have to retire. But she did not retire. She defeated Mia Yim in a pretty good, uh, pretty good match on this show. And uh, interesting fact, I didn't think about it until afterwards, but before this past Friday, the last pay-per-view to take place in Albany, New York, was New Year's Revolution 2006. 
Mickey James competed on that show against Trish Stratus and on this show against Mia Yim. So, you know, 16 years apart, I think that's pretty fucking cool. That is pretty cool. And speaking of, you know, going back to Mickey James in 2006, what about that callback to her old crazy psycho lesbian character? Then when her and Mia were up on the top rope and she planted a lip lock on her. Yeah. <laughs> that, so was, was, that was something. Yeah, Justin was a little hot on that one. Yeah, he still I, is, I, I can I tell. Not. Get out of here. Oh, he, has, he still has no words. He was like he was like a dog in heat. You could just feel it radiating off him. It was no, bad. That, no. that was Joe Hendry in the uh, Call Your Shot Gauntlet. Oh Christ! He had a boner from fucking his eyes, fucking as far as you could see. It was ridiculous. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, Yo, you're like Tim with the fiend. <laughs> wow. That's okay, no, I that's can't say bad. I can't say much because we 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 totally marked out hard for Joe Hendry. Yeah. Say his name and he appears. I love Joe Hendry. I love that man. He's fantastic. He's a national treasure and should be treated as such. Yeah. But uh yeah, me or excuse me, Mickey James defeated Mia Yim. Pretty good match. This is just the start of this last rodeo for Mickey James and at the tapings, we got an idea of who she's going to challenge next, but uh, like I said on the prediction show, I don't know how long this last rodeo is going to last. I don't know if it's going to be a year. I don't know if it's going to be four six months, but uh, enjoy Mickey James while we can is the best thing I can say. Following that, we had another knockouts match for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships, where the Death Dolls of Jessica, because she's sick, uh, and Taya Valkyrie with Rosemary defeated Vexed, uh, Chelsea Green and Deanna Peraza to become the new Impact World Tag Team Knockouts World Tag Team Champions. Uh, and Alex does not look very happy about this. <laughs> it's just such a dumb name. You don't like the Death Dolls, man? No, I just you don't I like the Z at the end. No, I just I. So you don't like the Hardy Boys? You don't I like know. it has nothing to do with it's not the Z particularly. It's just a stupid, stupid name. And you have Taya come in back into impact after being misused in WWE. And this is this is what we're doing with it right now. You guys might have your own opinions, but I just I think the whole fucking thing is stupid. I think Jessica had a better character as Havoc. I think she could have been knockouts world champion material with that gimmick. Taya could have been on her own. I feel like they're doing more harm putting them together than they are keeping them apart. And I mean, that sounds counterproductive because they're tag team champions now, but it's just, it's dumb. I mean, I'm fine with it. They need, they need tag teams in that division. So I'm not too. Not that one. So no, it, it, Justin's absolutely right. They need tag teams in the division. It's like the same thing that WWE is going through. They just don't have teams. This was a great match. And I got to throw it up to Rosemary. She is looking fantastic, by the way. She's, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, last time I had spoken to her was on an Impact Press Pass, and this was months ago, and she had lost 20 pounds. Uh, I don't know if anyone has is, is been following her or anything, but she's been doing uh, fantastic in her weight loss journey. So I just wanted to throw that out there, dude. 
Yeah, definitely. And we keep the tag team title uh, theme going throughout the night because next we have uh, the Impact World Tag Team Championship match was the uh, kingdom of Matt Taven and Mike Bennett representing Honor No More defeating the Motor City Machine Guns of Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. This was one of my favorite matches of the night, and I was it was probably the match I was most looking forward to going into it. Uh, what do you guys think? This was one of my favorite matches of the night, and I think it was more my favorite because, I hope he doesn't get mad that I do this, but Ross of Impact Wrestling, Justin, as you know, had right throughout the night had come up to us and um, those who were in front of us uh, to talk to us and whatnot, and he had asked me, you know, told me basically this is going to be a good match, watch this. And then asked, you know, how do you think, you know, the night's going to go for Honor No More? And I, my, the very first words that came out were, I think this is Honor No More's night tonight. It was my exact words. And then obviously they won. So, yay, me, I was right. Right. Kind of. (laughs) Maybe. But yeah, no, it was a great match. Uh, Motor City Machine Guns constantly prove that it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been wrestling. Those guys can move like they just got into the business. They move like, like they, like it's the X division fresh 2004 and five all over again. Yeah. It's crazy to think I was nine years old when the motor city machine guns first formed. Yeah. it's it's nuts and and they performed just like they did when you were nine now at the age of 23 24 but all right 24 that's incredible (laughs) right you know yeah um an incredible match i as well as you guys thought this was going to be on our no more's night and i didn't really see any reason for them to lose the tag titles yet so I, I was right there with you guys, and this this match lived up to my expectations, and I'm I'm really glad to see that OGK still has the belts. And then uh, what I would say was the most fun match on the show, the twenty person uh, intergender call your shot gauntlet match. And uh, do you, should I just name who was in this match just just to get us started? <laughs> Why I don't mean, you? Yeah, yeah, just save all, save the surprises. Yeah, okay, sure. save the surprises. Let's do it. Uh, so we had Eric Young and the prestigious one, Joe Henry, to start. Uh, followed by Steve Macklin, Rich Swan, PCO, Savannah Evans, Johnny Swinger, who got a big pop from the Albany crowd, I might add. He's a Buffalo guy. Yep. Of course he was getting a pop. Tasha Steeles, Killer Kelly, Moose. Sammy Callahan, Giselle Shaw, Bupinder Gujar, Heath, Bobby Fish, and the last participant was Matt Cardona making his return to Impact. So, Matt Cardona was, I believe, a few of our picks for the digital media. So, we were already off to a bad start. Well, I I had said if he wasn't in the digital media title match, then I expect him in the Call Your Shot gauntlet. You know, so it was cool that he was still there. Now, 
Justin, who are the other like returns and surprises that we got? Yeah, so the first time in a year we saw Taylor Wilde in Impact, which was surprising. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, Rhino making his return to Impact, as well as Bully Ray, the former two-time Impact World Champion. So one of my favorite spots in this was Bully, Dreamer, and Rhino. And they like kind of did the shield thing with the fists. Right. And Swinger comes over. And I kept thinking, I kept screaming in my head out loud and in my head. And he was part of ECW. Look him up in 99. I was like, he was there with you guys. Right. So at first they seemingly were like, yeah, we're going to let him in and with us. And then they tossed him over. And I was like, oh man, but like he really was part of ECW. Right. So I was like, okay, like I was like really hoping that they were gonna do a spot with him, like not throwing him over, but it was a really cool spot. And then another favorite was uh Bully Ray with Taylor Wilde, and he I believe it was Card yeah, it was Cardona. He's got his legs and she goes she's on the like middle rope or whatever, and he goes, What and she does it and does the headbutt like Devon would do. Right. Uh and then the other cool spot was when he called for her, you know, pushes her and he goes, tell her, get the tables. And like the crowd popped huge for that. Uh, the other one was uh, a favorite and fans, you're welcome with uh, Justin, myself and the other fans. When Bobby Fish came out, Justin, what were we doing? CM Punk. Punk. CM Punk. Punk. The That's CM incredible. Punk chant. Uh, obviously, a uh, huge notice uh, because it was all over the internet that when he came out, that CM Punk chants were going on. So you're welcome. Right. <laughs> Those were my favorite moments from that match, uh, Justin. What were yours? Yeah. So I gotta agree with you, and I want to. I want to point out. I, I think I said it earlier, but when Dreamer and Rhino and Bully tossed out uh, Johnny Swinger, like. They they fucking booed. The crowd did not like that. <laughs> oh. But uh I will say, Moose, go fuck yourself. How dare you toss out the prestigious one, Joe Hendry? Uh ab- absolutely ridiculous. Joe Hendry should be like a cat. He gets nine lives in this call your shot gauntlet, but no, <laughs> I, I don't make the rules, unfortunately. Uh but yeah, this this was fun. The only thing I really have to pick about is the intervals between entrants were way, 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 way too short. Bro, like, what the fuck, right? We were we, we literally went to sit down. We had to stand back up because the timer started again. Fucking dudes were just getting in the ring and it was going off again. I was like, is that who's paying attention to the intervals? Like what are like what are we doing here? I'm like, is this the rumble in ninety five? Do we have sixty second intervals here? Yeah. Uh, some of them we got as mere as 15 second intervals. That was it. It felt like it. It definitely felt like it. They had a 10 sec. They had the 10 second countdown. They're five seconds to get to the ring. And then it was a fucking 10 count all over again. Right. It was just, and, and what made it even harder was it was so like sporadic throughout the whole thing. It As us fans, we didn't get enough time to sit there and go 10, nine, eight. Like we were all at like, wait, what the fuck? Like, we were so confused, and it was just like, oh, wait, shit, a timer's going off. Seven, six, five. So, like, we didn't get to start at ten every time. 
Right. And you can tell the intervals were short because now that I'm looking at it, you have 20 entrants 20 entrants in this match. The match went 29 minutes 18 seconds. Jesus yeah, that's Christ. No good. <laughs> like this is literally 1995 Royal Rumble, but the match was still fun. To, ab- absolutely, a lot, a lot of cool stuff in there. Oh, it was a great match. No complaints whatsoever. That you know the intervals and stuff. Yeah, it was. It was a little kooky, but the match itself was the most entertaining, wise match of the night. Right. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I popped hard for Bully Ray returning. Uh, I thought that was the coolest fucking one of the coolest fucking moments of the weekend. And you know, as far as that match goes, and Bully winning the Call Your Shot Battle Royal match, um, you know, I gotta I gotta agree with what Lee said. You know, sometimes it's a it's a little annoying to see some legends come back and win things, but Bully is very still much so involved in pro wrestling and pro wrestling shows. So even if this is just to put over Alexander, this is going to be a cool fucking moment. Oh, you know what? That's another thing I want to bring up. So I, I mentioned this to Lee that night. Uh, so on the Countdown to Bound for Glory show, they had Dreamer induct Raven into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. At the end of Raven's speech, uh, Raven gave Dreamer a DDT. You know, nice little cool moment for them with, with their long history and their feud. It really bothered me that Dreamer came out in this call your shot gauntlet not selling anything. Like, he was just fine, you know? Yeah. that's. I thought it was weird that they even had him show up just because of the moment that he had for the, the Hall of Fame induction of Raven. But, I mean, I don't write the show. Yeah, that was just one little nitpick that bothered me. Like, if you're going to do that, you got to sell it. I, I know it was two hours between, but it's it's like, come on. So, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think probably in his mind he was thinking from a standpoint that enough time had gone by throughout the night where all it was, you know, just like taking a, any other finisher. But, you know, he didn't come out holding his head or anything like that, and not not until like he was in the match did anything like that happen, but. I wasn't too bothered by that. I was definitely, I was definitely bothered by the intervals. That was pretty annoying, I thought. But again, still, probably it was still the most entertaining match of the night in my eyes, from right. from entertaining purposes. And I was very surprised with Bully Ray winning because as soon as I saw it was down to him and Macklin, I thought for sure Steve Macklin was getting the win. So I loved this. I, I was talking to Alex about this the other day this is what made the call your shot gauntlet the most entertaining match of the night for me we're so used to the wwe royal rumble you know which for anyone to remember things like the royal rumble king of the ring were meant to elevate a mid-card talent into the main event scene that's what the intent was but now you have guys who've already been multiple time champions and main eventers and stuff like that winning. They've been doing that uh, since the Attitude Era. And it's, it's to, to, for me, it's always taken away from the Royal Rumble. When I watch the Royal Rumble, 
I'm now watching for the surprise entrance. And if they tell you everybody ahead of time, to me, it takes away from the rumble itself. This call your shot gauntlet match, we had five or six spots still left that nobody knew about. And this is what makes the call your shot gauntlet match so fucking amazing for me is because it gives you what you want that the universe isn't giving you. All right. So you're not you're not getting the names announced ahead of time. You're getting the surprises that you want, that you want from the Royal Rumble. But now they announce literally everybody for it. The second part of this that made it so great was the fact that Bully Ray was the winner. Not Steve Macklin, because it came down to a legend in Steve Macklin. So automatically, as fans, we're so conditioned by the universe telling us that the legend's not going to stand a chance that this other guy is going to win because he's technically the full-time guy on our roster right now. Right. Impact Wrestling goes and does the complete opposite and, and the legend wins. You know, when we watch the Royal Rumble, we see legends only last three or four minutes. We don't, you know, and they come very, they come very early. You know, you don't see most of them until, you know, the beginning and then the middle and then very rarely do you see them come at the end, uh, except the one year when uh, Goldberg and Brock and all of them all came out at the same time because we had to have the last 10 spots for all the guys that are going to be huffing and puffing after two minutes. Right. You know, so this gave me as a fan everything I wanted. I had the surprises. I had the the legend win that's not supposed to win, you know, from what we're condi conditioned to believe in professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. So that made it for me. That was like the best fucking thing that they could have done. And I'm pretty sure when Alex and I talked about it, I had worded it different. But to see a legend and or a surprise entrance win this, who who, you know, When's the last? I don't remember the last time he wrestled in Impact. I'm sure you guys know. Uh, it's or been seemingly, a while. it's it's been or seemingly, time. yeah, or seemingly the last time he even held a championship in the company, or or in any company, seemingly that he's been part, you know, been part of on his own as a singles run. So this was great. This was just like the this was the greatest thing that they could have given us in my eyes. Uh, again, my prediction was wrong. I guess. Uh, I'm guessing I need to brush up on impact a little bit because my predictions suck so far. I don't think I've gotten, uh, I think the only one I've gotten right so far is the tag team championship with, uh, honor no more. Yeah. Oh, and vexed. So I got the tag teams, right? Well, well vexed lost. Yeah, but I didn't call them to win. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. Well, and you got Mickey James. Yeah, so I'm good there. All right. Not doing too bad. Not doing too bad then. <laughs> um, following that, we move into the semi-main event with the Impact Knockouts Championship match. Uh, Jordan Grace uh, feeding Masha Slamovich her first loss in this run in Impact. Uh, definitely the most impressive. impressive oh, I can't even talk. That I've seen uh, Masha Slamovich so far, other than the usual, you know, 45-second squash match. Uh, and Jordan looked great here. Jordan looked like a star, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, but let's be honest. The crowd was hot for Masha. They wanted Masha to win. Right. You know, there's something we haven't had happen to Jordan Grace. And 
she had posted a photo from on Twitter of her with the the Impact belt after winning the match, and when she first started, huge body transformation, which we actually talk about her in bodybuilding uh, and MMA fans, and those spots are going to be coming out next week. So make sure you tune into youtube.com slash perched on the top rope to hear all about Jordan Gray's talk about bodybuilding uh, and mixed martial arts is, uh, you know, we had interviewed the C CEO of Invicta fighting championship, which is also under the Anthem banner along with impact. It's an all female MMA organization. And we had asked Shannon uh, her thoughts, if she would ever, want any pro wrestlers to come, especially from Impact. Uh, so you're going to hear about that with that clip of Jordan Grace talking MMA. So make sure you tune in, perched on the top rope on YouTube.com. Dude, she looked fucking fantastic, dude. And Masha was phenomenal. Like, we'd only seen one other match with Masha that had gone 12 minutes, and it was with Deanna Perrazzo. That was like a first outside of squashing people like Tennille Dashwood in a minute or, uh, you know, Madison rain in 45 seconds, you know, I incredible match. And I, I was shocked at the crowd wanting Masha, to be honest. Right. Alex, you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a pretty good match from what I had seen. Um, you know, I've, I've always been on the Jordan Grace train ever since she arrived at Impact. I think she's a powerhouse that we haven't seen in certain degrees in professional wrestling. So, I, you know, I've always been pretty high on her. I, I would like to see Masha win the title at some point, but right now it just still seems like Jordan Grace's time. Right. And then following that match, we went into our main event for the Impact World Championship. It was Josh Alexander defending and retaining against honor no more's eddie edwards uh great match honestly great main event um yeah and here's where i say that uh when i said honor no more was gonna have a great night i was derailed yeah it ended right here <laughs> yeah. yeah i didn't i didn't guess this one right either you guys knew i had my i had my theory going into this that eddie edwards was gonna win heath was gonna win the call your shot bandlet, uh, battle gauntlet royal i can't say that that's too much of a tongue twister i can never say it and i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna make up excuses for it i just can't say it call your shot i thought that Heath was going to win. Eddie was going to win. This was going to build up to Heath eventually winning the world title. But it looks like if he's going to win the world title, they're going more organically with it. Because now we have Josh Alexander and Bully Ray. That was a great spot at the end. Um, fans, if you didn't watch Impact, Honor, Honor No More tries to intervene in the match. And one thing I had noticed was... Uh, PCO didn't come down to help Eddie. M more on that uh, later. So it was one thing I noticed because the rest of Honor No More comes down, tries to help Eddie. Uh, they fail. Um, it is what it is. Eddie doesn't win the match. Uh, Josh Alexander retains. But they come back after, you know, they come back in after. Josh retains, beat him up, 
and Bully Ray's music hits, and he's got that trophy in his hand, and he's got that look in his eye, man. Like, he's got that, yo, I'm doing this now. And I was like, holy crap. This happened to Josh when he won the championship. Moose came out and just decimated him. And now I'm thinking to myself, great, that's what we're going to see again. Bully gets in the ring. He looks at Honor no more, which, by the way, Bully Ray was part of Ring of Honor. Right. So, it makes so like, I'm thinking in my head, Justin and I are sitting there watching this from the second row. And I'm like, holy crap, he's going to join Honor no more. Like, holy crap, he's going to be like the new leader type deal. Right. And seemingly like they were going to move aside, let him do his thing, because the table was in the ring and everything. And then all of a sudden, he just fucking joins Josh Alexander and beats the beat, beats him up. Uh, Mike Bennett goes through the table. Uh, he tells Taven, you get in this ring, I'm going to do the same to you. Taven like quickly jumped in the ring, jumped out of the ring type deal, which was kind of a funny spot. Uh, yeah, and then after you know we saw what we saw, you know we're gonna see Bully Ray and seemingly Josh Alexander's at some point for that championship. Like it seems like Bully Ray's made it known that's what he's going after, that's what he wants. Right, and I will. I just want to add on to it. I did think they spoiled this complete angle when Bully Ray came out because from where we were sitting, Lee. And if anyone knows what the impact set looks like, there's this big screen and then there's these uh, LED bars coming down. So when Bully Ray came out, his Tron said, Impact World Champion Bully Ray. One of the LED bars were covering the two-time Impact World Champion. So I'm like, oh God, they put out the the wrong fucking Tron and this one was supposed to be for tomorrow night. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm like, oh shit. I actually didn't catch that at first. I'm I'm glad you said that. I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah. I hope you recorded that spot. I, didn't... I, th- I think I did. All right, cool. Yeah, no, it was it was a great pay-per-view, like I said. Uh, though when we talked about this match and the predictions, Alex and I were both like, you know, eh. Yeah, we're I was kind of eh on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like all the stars were in the Call Your Shot gauntlet match. Which is great. But I mean, I've seen Eddie Edwards wrestle a hundred times. I've seen Josh Alexander wrestle a hundred times. I've watched them wrestle each other quite a bit. And uh, you guys know this when we interviewed Larry Sabisco, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. He had said, you know, you can watch all these guys wrestle each other so many times, but at what point do you need to have them wrestle other people? You know, I how many times, you know, just on this show, you know, he here having heard Larry say stuff like that, you know, WWE Hall of Famer, by the way. How many times can you watch a Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. How many times can you watch Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns? You know, or that, you know, you can change the storyline up all you want, but it's still the same match at the end of the day. You know, he was pushing for, you know, companies need fresh blood, fresh blood, fresh blood. I think Impact has the most turnover rate when it comes to wrestlers because they sign a lot of short term deals. 
you know, part of the reason why I knew Mickey James was going to win was because it was already known that her her deal was up like this week. Like her deal is up this coming week. She's done. Uh whatever we got from Bound for Glory and the TV tapings, because they tape twice in a night, you know, we're gonna find out, you know, if she has a match or not. We'll be talking about that after this. But man. I just wish Impact had a better TV deal, to be honest with you. They're probably the best. I mean, maybe after what happened at Extreme Rules with the second, but they've got the best product going out there right now. Like, Impact Wrestling is fucking top-notch. Yeah, absolutely, and... You know, it, it sucks that either just, you know, a lot of people kind of look at it as the reputation that TNA had towards the end where it's just not a good company and the booking's all over the place. and Or it's a matter of people just, you know, don't have access TV or don't even know about Impact. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it sucks. I mean, they've got great storytelling, great matches. Really, there needs to be more eyes on impact in my ma'am and that's straight up my the best I can say about it. There should be more eyes on impact Absolutely. if you're not watching impact, watch it straight up it was a great it was a great pay per view it was a great way to start the weekend too yeah, it was a great solid pay per view you know especially on a Friday night it was a great fucking pay per view yeah. you know. Um, and then Friday we had SmackDown and Rampage and Battle of the Belts. Ba- yeah, Battle of the Belts. There was a lot there. There was a lot there for the weekend, but we're not going to review those shows. Seemingly, we're going to stick to the pay per views. So Saturday, Justin, our perch correspondent, goes to the Impact tapings. Mm-hmm. That were on Saturday. Now, they did tapings for this Thursday and then the following Thursday. So, Justin is going to talk about the show airing on, I believe... It would be this August. Thursday. Oh, wow, August, yeah. August, oh my god. Wow. October... It'll be airing on October 13th. Yeah, let's not take another trip to August because I, I hit dirty 30 come next August. So I, I'd like to I'd like to stay right here in October, please. And thank you. What the hell was I thinking? Yeah. October 13th. Uh, Justin, take it away and tell us uh tell us why spoiler free is not a thing. Well, before I get into the spoilers, I do want to point out the impact tapings did start very late. Uh, due to the fact that they didn't have an ambulance at the building on standby, and I believe it's through the New York State Athletic Commission that you have to, if you run a wrestling show or a show like this, you have to have an ambulance on standby or else you can't do anything. Right, like, just in case someone any, gets hurt. Right, you can't have any physicality or anything. Right. So we were let in about a half an hour late. Uh, the show was supposed to start at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. We were let in at 7. and. 
I think Impact did right to kind of make up for the fact that we were on such a big delay. So, to start, randomly wrestlers just started popping out and, you know, taking pictures with fans. Like, Laredo Kid came out and he was going around the ring. And then I turn around and there's Johnny Swinger behind all the robes. And Rich Swan is popping out, doing a little dance on the other side. And Zicky Dice is over here. And it, it, it was crazy. It was cool. And then Tommy Dreamer and uh, Gia Miller came down to the ring. They did wrestling trivia. And if you watched uh, the Hunter episode of Perched on the Top Rope, Wrestling Jeopardy, you know I'm uh, pretty good at that myself. Which uh, I was asked the question of who was the first Knockouts champion, Gail Kim. I won a Josh Alexander t-shirt, which was pretty cool. Uh, eventually, you know, they did something with the Albany Empire team, football team. They were That was supposed to be part of the show anyway, so they just it was just on delay for a bit. Uh, show finally started around 9 o'clock. And keep in mind, we got to tape four hours of TV starting at 9 o'clock. So to start off this Thursday's impact on October 13th, Josh Alexander came out, cut a promo, calls out Bully Ray, says he doesn't know if he can trust him. Bully Ray's never had the reputation for being trusted. You know, all that good stuff. That's interrupted by Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin says some stuff. Says uh, he should be at the front of the line for the Impact World title. Moose comes out, tells Bully Ray he's a scumbag, and he's learned everything he knows and has modeled the last few years of his career in Impact after Bully Ray as a heel. Uh, finally, the hometown boy Bobby Fish comes out. And <laughs> he challenges Josh Alexander to a championship match for the main event. Alexander accepts. We have Bobby Fish and Josh Alexander for the Impact World Title in the main event. So what? Bo- Hold oh, on. When Bobby- yeah. Yeah. No, I have questions. So when yeah. when Bobby Fish came out, were there more CM Punk chants? There were not. Oh, that's lame. He he was actually pretty over as the hometown guy on this show. Wow. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that's because people didn't learn that he was from Albany until last night or like what the issue was, but. Well, I mean, uh, I also wasn't there. So I, cause I mean, I would have started. Right. Uh, we got our first match of the night after that. We had killer Kelly uh, defeating Tasha Steeles. Ooh. Yeah. Th- this must've been a no disqualification match. Cause Savannah Evans kept interfering left and right. And there was a chair and a chain brought into play. So I'm like, okay. I, they didn't tell us this is a no DQ match or like the ref is fucking stupid. And, and you know, I was kind of shocked because Killer Kelly, when she entered the Call Your Shot gauntlet match, she was kind of eliminated kind of early. Oh, yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. Yeah, I know you were. Yeah. I was next to you. Love Killer Kelly. Uh, we had a really fun six-man X Division match. Uh, Trey Miguel defeating Alex Zane, Kenny King, Laredo Kid, Yuya Yamura, and Black Tarus. Uh, a lot of high spots, a lot of, you know, multi-man spots. Uh, one of those fast-paced, quick X-Division matches that go a few minutes, but very fun. It was one of the best matches of the night, actually. Uh, we had Giselle Shaw and Vexed defeating the Death Dolls in a six-woman knockout tag match. Uh, we had Matt Cardona defeating Bupinder Gujar uh, in a very 
kind of basic match, not going to lie. And then we had the main event, Josh Alexander. Uh, He defeated Bobby Fish to retain the Impact World title. But the big story comes out of what happened post-match in this. Because we had the new X Division champion, Frankie Kazarian, come down. And he let Josh Alexander know that uh, he was opting to cash in option C. And if you all, if you don't know what option C is, uh, about 10 years ago now, which is, oh my God, that's crazy to think about. 10 years ago, Austin Aries put in a rule that uh, at one point during the year, the X Division champion can decide that they want to cash in option C and get a shot at the world championship. So that is the direction they're going with the world title. And that match will be taking place at the Impact Plus special event of A or I was gonna say AEW, Jesus Christ. Frankie Kazarian's have me confused on this show. Uh Impact Overdrive, which I believe will be in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm not too sure on the date. I have to look that up actually, but uh that's the those are the spoilers for this upcoming Thursday for Impact. Uh you know, a little bit more on the next show, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that this uh, this upcoming week. Damn. I'm so excited. First, Frankie Kazarian, Impact X Division Champion. Next step, Impact World Champion. I can say that I was there for Frankie Kazarian's entire reign as X Division Champion. Very cool. It's, yeah, yeah, that's that's in the record books. Oh man. Well. You know, Impact was great, and fans, if you want to hear the October 20th spoilers of Impact Wrestling, we will be talking about that on our show that airs on Fridays. So tune in, because this week, spoiler-free, is not the way to be. You know, and speaking of spoilers, guys... WWE had done such a fantastic job with this white rabbit thing and uh, really, really advanced in the way that they use the technology too. you know, no longer just a regular kind of like vignettes or promos to the teases. They were using uh, QR codes and, and uh fans with signs you know staged fans and whatnot you know and those qr codes led you to other images and sounds and in videos and things like that very very well done and we knew that we were going to get the white rabbit reveal if you will at extreme rules so while we're on it let's talk about the results of extreme rules yeah so to open up the show we had the uh good old-fashioned donny brook match six-man tag where the brawling brutes seamus ridge helen and butch he's still pete done to me damn it they defeated <laughs> Imperium, gunter ludwig kaiser and giovanni vinci I hope these fucking guys feud forever, man. Every single fucking match is great. So, I'm not a fan of, like, the naming, like, these gimmicky type matches, to be honest with you. 
but this feud can never end. Like, create a gimmick every month for these guys to wrestle. I don't care. Just do it. Yeah, they are, they're they're amazing. Great, all of them. You want to like? I hope that every match that any person from either side has, whether tag team, six man, one on one, that they're using those matches for like NXT and stuff for them to study for the future, like for future students, because those are matches that you need. Perfect fucking matches. Because not just what they're doing in the ring, but the storytelling that they're telling in the ring while the match is going on. The storytelling that happens outside of it with the, the promos and, and, and all of that. It's just the picture-perfect feud. Like, you want to talk about a picture-perfect feud? This is it. I hope that this isn't the end. Like, we need more of this. I don't care what anyone says. We need more of this. Right. And it's crazy that we just talked about, you know, we can only see so many guys face each other so many times. I feel like it doesn't get fucking old with the combination of these six people. Whether it's Gunter and and Sheamus, or it's Ridge and Butch against Kaiser and Vinci, you know, it's, it's fucking fantastic every time. Yeah, I gotta say, I had my reservations about the name of this match going in just because, you know, WWE has left a sour taste in our mouth over weird named matches over the years and feared that they would be too gimmicky. But this kind of, this this really played to the hand of both Imperium and the Brawling Brutes. And what a hell of a way to start the show off. This kept the crowd going hot almost the entire night. Yeah. Like, match of the night. Honestly, I, I probably would agree with you, in all honesty. Like, it's close for me, but I got mine later on. Yeah. But uh, then we go to the SmackDown Women's Championship Extreme Rules match. Uh, Ronda Rousey defeated Liv Morgan to win the SmackDown Women's title. Uh, better than their SummerSlam match, which was more storyline-based anyway, but, you know, th- th- this, this was fun. This was fine for what it was. I'm not... I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not too big on Ronda getting the title back. I was expecting Liv Morgan to lose the title here. I do still hope they continue something with Ronda and Shayna Baszler being together because they teased that and then they kind of went away from it for a few weeks. So I don't know what's going on with that. So I really like the fact that Liv Morgan passed out with a big smile on her face. Because Ronda Rousey's ass cheek was on her face. <laughs> Listen, this was this was WWE's not Extreme Rules. This was WWE's Fifty Shades, and I've got all sorts of proof that I'm going to talk about throughout the whole night. So you're welcome. You know what? And I can appreciate that they had Liv Morgan pass out instead of just fucking tapping out like it's nothing. She passed out with ass out. Uh. Uh-uh. Lord, you need help, son. No, it definitely made her come off as more badass, even in defeat, because I think we all worried as to what was going to happen to her after she did lose the title, and I think Triple H booked this brilliantly. Oh, yeah, she was still even, like, after, like, when Ronda was out of the ring, she was still smiling and laughing, kind of, just in the middle of the ring. 
you know. Right. But it was so still funny. It looks like they're teasing more of a darker side to Liv Morgan, judging by uh, what they've posted on social media since. Yeah, and especially with that like baseball bat, the way she had it designed and stuff, you you can tell they're going somewhere with her with it. Right. Uh, and then we had the strap match with Karrion Cross defeating Drew McIntyre. I wasn't sure how the rules were going to be in this because they kind of switch it up every time they do a strap match, whether it's the you know, go to every turnbuckle and hit the turnbuckle, and then if you get stopped, it resets. Or this one was by pinfall or submission. Uh, cross wins. I'm glad that they put Cross over in a big match, especially since he's gotten the upper hand on Drew over the last few weeks. Uh, usually in WWE, when the heel gets the upper hand for a few weeks, that means the babyface is going over at the pay per view. But they didn't do that here. It's a nice win over. Uh, excuse me. Nice win under Cross's belt, getting a win over a former world champion here. And I think we also forget, too, that Drew McIntyre is now basically in a spot in WWE where loses or losses aren't really going to hurt him. He's he's pretty much up there as one of the top stars in the company now, and I think they're using that to their advantage, knowing damn well that they plan to bring Drew back up to the top. So I don't really think he lost anything in defeat here. And it can honestly, in my opinion, even make him more edgier and allow him to integrate some of that Scottish psychopath character back into his character too. Right. And they protected him too, having uh, Scarlet come in and uh, hit him with the mace in the eyes and everything. So if there's one thing Triple H knows how to do, it's, it's protecting people in defeat. Right. And that was another great BDSM moment at the end with cross and scarlet like hugging each other and she's in that like dominatrix-esque outfit with the strap and drew is just laying there out like this like completely exhausted wink wink if you know what i mean (laughs) uh so there was that moment for me in the 50 shades realm no um cross needed the win obviously you know they're just building him up Drew as a face is in a predicament that I see a lot of heels in because a lot of heels don't have winning records. Baron Corbin, for example, being one. Seth Rollins being another one right now. Those guys are always losing, but they lose all the time, but they are still able to maintain their top status in the company because the loss just never affects them. They just go right on to the next person to feud with. And that other person's like forgotten about to them. So that's what Drew has going on for him. He can afford the losses. Mm-hmm. Just like how Corbin and Seth can afford the losses. They're always on TV every week. It doesn't affect them. Right. Carrion needed the win here. Yeah, that, that was the story here. Because if Carrion didn't win... All that says to me was, okay, they brought him back for nothing again. Right. And this this also sets up a world title match between him and Roman Reigns in the hopefully immediate future. Yeah. Which, like we said, Triple H knows how to book people in losses, so even if he doesn't beat Roman, I don't see a world where Triple H is going to make Karrion Cross look like a lesser person or a lesser character if he loses to Roman. Yeah. Yeah, 
And then following that, we yeah. have the ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Bianca Belair defeating Bailey. I'm, if I'm being honest, the, the match was fine. It was really good. Uh, I would have put Bailey over here. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I feel like, you know, it should have been it should have been Damage Control holding the Raw Women's Title and the Tag Titles, and you know, I'm not saying they can't do that in the future, even if they didn't do it here, but. Uh, there were still some awkward spots in this match, like uh, Bianca trying to set up the KOD on both Dakota Kai and EO Sky, and the way she was trying to position them, they were both in two different positions, so she had to really like turn them, and you know it was awkward for a minute, but she did it. She did do the KOD to both of them at the same time. I was gonna say, here's my thing on that spot though, is I actually liked it because we see too many times in pro wrestling and sports entertainment these days where moves are too choreographed there's got to be a sense of like trying to fix something on the fly and making it look a little more realistic. If one of you or myself were going to try that move, we probably, that probably would have gone every time the way it did that one time for Bianca. So I, I like it because it kind of seems a little more realistic. It shows that she really had to like actually work to get that spot in. And as you heard, like as she was fixing them and want to go and start and hit it, the crowd was just getting more and more behind her. It was one of those like building up to her eventually actually hitting the moves. So I think it even, I think it worked in Bianca's favor. Yeah. I was mostly worried she wasn't going to be able to position them right. Or someone was going to get hurt. Right. She had to like, I thought she was going to have to completely start over and redo the spot. Yeah. Shows a lot of ring psychology on her side though, that she didn't just give up on it and that she fixed it and hit the move. Right. Yeah. And props to uh, Pally. I don't know if anyone noticed this, but I believe it was her right wrist. You know, she had the black tape, but she had blue tape over the black on her right. And it uh, said Sarah Lee. So props to her for paying tribute. And also props to her for getting busted open and continuing the entire match. Pretty sure that was like the only spot where we actually saw blood the whole night and Bailey just fucking worked right through it. Right. I'm always, I'm always a fan of just a slight amount of blood in wrestling, if the time calls for it. Matches like these, where it makes it look like you're a warrior for coming out of it. Like, I don't I don't need someone to bleed three seconds into a match and then fight a 20-minute match like some people cough, cough, John Moxley. I'm glad you did it, because I was going to do it. <laughs> but like, I think that's a little unnecessary sometimes. Either that or John Moxley just has really, really thin skin, and it just keeps busting open every time he wrestles. But yeah. like that that's something he might want to get checked out by a doctor. But I mean, it's good as he it seems he has calmed down with that. Yeah. Um to me it seems like when it comes to like blood being shown in the equation, um WWE tends to handle it better because really 100% of the time those blood spots aren't planned anymore because WWE has shied away from that. So they they're really good at focusing on the superstar when it does happen and they'll end up using that for promos for Bailey in, in the future. They did the same thing for Becky Lynch when she got busted open by Nia Jax. Right. So we'll see where this goes from here. I'm sure Bailey's going to end up with the raw woman's title at some point, but agreed. No, agreed. Not on this night, but uh, moving on, we had the, I quit match. Uh, we had Finn Balor defeat. Hang on. No, no. We had Finn Balor defeating Edge. Wait, Finn. Who's in the Judgment Day? Finn Balor or Edge? Finn. 
It says he won. He did. What? Yeah. The Judgment Day won? Yeah, brother. The Judgment Day won. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Justin. Uh, <laughs> for everybody paying attention, Justin knows this. He watched the show. He's just, he's still in shock that Judgment Day won. Lee is still in shock that Judgment Day won. I think we're all in shock that Judgment Day won. This match, in my opinion, was the turnaround that we've been begging for for Judgment Day for months. They honestly looked like a bunch of badass, like hyenas, jackals, predators, whatever you want to call them. They absolutely tore Edge apart towards the end of the match. Beth Phoenix shows up. She gets involved. And, you know, Edge went into this match saying that he was never going to quit no matter what they did to him. And that was true. No matter what they did to him, they put him through hell. And Finn Balor hit him with three coup de gras in a row. And Edge told him to go to hell. But Edge being the gentlemanly father that he is and husband, when... Rhea Ripley had Beth Phoenix set up for a concerto. Edge Edge gave in because he didn't want to see his wife hurt, which I think is one of the dumbest spots in wrestling because if anybody knows any better, the heels are still going to do it no matter what. Right. And in this case, they did it again. Rhea Ripley ends up hitting the concerto on Beth Phoenix and it's just a it's just a very very sad moment. But here's my question. Here's what I didn't understand booking wise. Where the hell was AJ Styles? Are they are they selling that he's injured still from being taken out within the past couple of weeks? Or did they just decide, fuck it, he's not feuding with him anymore? Last Monday on Raw, they did the angle where Finn and Damien, they beat him and Ray in a tag match. And then AJ kind of shoved Ray after the match. Pretty much he's just, you know, what the fuck? So I don't know if they're going in the, in the direction of AJ joining the Judgment Day or if this is just kind of a tease. Well, they also could be working in a storyline with him and Edge because there's there's a lot of speculation now with Survivor Series war games coming up. We, we've talked about how this isn't going to be like a Raw versus SmackDown war games match. There's a lot of speculation that if this war games match doesn't involve the bloodline over on SmackDown, that it's going to involve the Judgment Day over on Raw. So what I'm also wondering is if maybe we're going to start to build a story to where Edge and Ray do end up trying to recruit AJ. And the reason that AJ didn't come out was because he does have bad blood with Edge from around WrestleMania time. And the idea of, you know, Edge was the one that created the Judgment Day and AJ Styles has been tormented by them on and off for months, months and months now. So I think if they, I think if AJ ends up getting introduced to that storyline, if that's the route they're going, they got to work in like asking where he was, why he didn't show up and they got to build like rebuild a bridge between him and edge yeah so but ray did come down ray mysterio came down and uh he took out finn took out damien but dominic dominic was not having ray shit on this night (laughs) 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 and you know michael cole did sell it pretty well on commentary uh, you know, he's going, that's your father. What are you doing? You know, I, I thought it was a pretty good angle. Yeah. You know, I, 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 Tom is the only one in the judgment day right now. That's actually kind of growing on me because they've kind of made Damian priest look like a bitch. Rhea Ripley hasn't been able to wrestle 
and Finn Balor's taken more losses than I have fingers and toes in the past week. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's another thing. I'm glad you mentioned they've been making Damian Priest look like a bitch because I loved when he ran down and Michael Cole just goes, yeah, I was wondering when this idiot was going to show up. <laughs> Poor Damian. But, you know, this this segment kind of sold them all over, and, and specifically Dom. I think Dom gets more in my eyes, and I, I get more behind him every time I see him beat the absolute shit out of his father. I love Rey Mysterio, but watching Dom just beat the living hell out of Rey is just satisfying for some reason. Yeah, you know, they got they got fucking heel heat in this segment, man. Like, the crowd really fucking hated them. They booed the shit out of the dream. Right. We, we have to build on this, because this could be the turnaround point for their stable. Right. And I don't know what the fuck that mask was Finn Balor was wearing for his entrance. I, I hope he never wears that again. Listen, he was oh. paying homage to both Demolition and American Horror Story. Leave him alone. Nah, that was straight up Fifty Shades. <laughs> Spot number three. You know, there was a bunch of women out there that were just like, oh my god. Yep. And, and you know what? Spot number four, just count the whole Rhea and Dom angle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's starting to turn around in my opinion. It's only been one night, so we'll have to see where this goes on Monday Night Raw as well. But they keep up on this. I uh, I might be able to slowly get back behind the Judgment Day again. Yep. Lee says no. Lee, tell us your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no. Lee, what what'd you think of this? I was sleeping, so I couldn't tell you anything. <laughs> you're sour. You're soured on them. You're soured on them, no matter what. I was literally asleep. I fell asleep after the uh, women's match. So I don't... I didn't get to see this. Oh, man. Well, following that, we had the main event, which was the Fight Pit match. The first one on the main roster. Uh, Special guest referee Daniel Cormier from the UFC. And Matt Riddle defeated Seth Rollins. I don't know about you guys. I thought they could have done more with this. I thought I think this was honestly like the weakest fight pit match that they've done in the company. Not to say it was like bad or anything. It was just like, you know, they did a few spots here. Matt Riddle did the dive off the senton off the top from the uh, landing. And then he just made Seth Rollins tap. And I feel like that's all it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. It was still a good match. It just wasn't, there wasn't anything like, there wasn't like any huge major spots aside from the senton off the top platform that r- really like we're used to in WWE main events. I, I was just expecting something more. I did enjoy them fighting up on the top platform. Um, the, you know, the buckle bomb Seth usually does that he just did on the side of the cage, the stomp, the RKO, the fact that they were able to maneuver all of those moves without falling off is something I could not do with my coordination. So I give it that. Um, Daniel Cormier looks like he put on a few pounds before this match. I don't know if anybody yeah. else noticed that. <laughs> he. Uh, well, you non-UFC but, followers should know he's been pretty big for a while. He's he, only- has, he has been, but he looked a little bigger than he, than he was before. Yeah. But, I mean, Daniel Cormier still did his spot correctly. I really like when he, he asserted himself towards the beginning of the match and he picked Seth up. He didn't throw him against the cage, but he just placed him against the cage. And he's like, I'm the referee. You're not going to touch me again. And you're going to listen to me. And Seth was just like, 
Okay, sir. Sure thing. Yep. I got you. Right. And we got to mention the uh, Rob Van Dam tribute gear that uh, Seth was wearing. Dude, that gear was so dope. And he even was sporting the Rob Van Dam ponytail at the beginning, too. And yeah, it was... He had the Rollins on the kick pads, too. Like, uh, RVD has the Van Dam. That was that was so cool. You know, RVD doesn't get as much credit as I think he deserves a lot and, and doesn't get paid homage to as much as he should be. And the fact that they did that and they did it in a main event spot was so cool. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, was Seth freaking Rollins on this night. It worked out perfectly, too. You know what I'm going to have to do, though? Somebody's going to put that uh, attire up on Community Creations in 2K eventually, and we're going to we're gonna have to make him an RVD, a tag team. Oh, God. It'd be great. It'd be um, great. So then from there, that was it for the matches on the card. I then can't even to... talk about that match. Then we get asleep. to the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lee. <laughs> I, I was asleep for this match, too. I woke up to Daniel Cormier and uh, Riddle at the top of the entrance and i believe you know cormy had his hand up and like pointing at riddle as the winner yeah i was just waking up to that oh so that you you woke up at the perfect time if that's the case yeah i i woke up to that because i had uh text messages ironically enough from uh chris phantom and it was this is bullshit where's our promise and i was like huh had no idea what was going on then i looked at the tv and was like oh i forgot about this (laughs) so justin Uh, tell us what happened yeah let's talk about the big news coming out of this show obviously we brought up at the beginning we've been getting the teases for the white rabbit the qr codes and it all culminated here the lights went out and as soon as the lights went out, before there was even a clue as to what was going on, as soon as the lights went out, the fans went nuts. Yeah. And, you know, Cole and Graves are confused. They're asking, are we on the air? Are we still on? You know? Uh, you know, they should have been asking it at the end of Clash at the Castle. <laughs> they they, they should have. But, uh, you know, they see the fireflies slowly start to form in the dark. And then what do you hear? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. And the crowd just fucking erupted. It was nuts, man. And then it just keeps going on for a few minutes. And at at every point where the verse ends, you see a character pop up in the crowd. First, we see a man dressed up as Huskus the pig boy, which was fucking creepy, but all these were fucking creepy, by the way. That is Great me. I am, I am Huskus the pig boy. Oh my god. And then we go to Mercy the Buzzard, and then we go to Ramblin' Rabbit, to Abby the Witch, and then you go back to the commentary table, and what do you see? It's the burnt fiend mask. Cole and Graves are creeped out. They run off. And then one more time, we go back to the crowd. And it's a decoy. And he's the fiend. And the crowd erupts even more. 
The lights go out one more time. Then we go up to the set, the stage. There's a door there now. But before that opens up, you look up at the big screen and you see the Firefly Funhouse. The lights are out inside. There's cobwebs all over the place. There's dust all over the puppets. It's in shambles. Right. TV comes on in the Firefly Funhouse. And we see a figure with a mask and he asks, who killed the world? You did. Go back to the door. Door flings open. A giant light shines out of it. What kind of light, Justin? A very bright light. And then it goes out. And then you see a lantern. That's what I was getting at. And then that that can only mean one thing when you see the lantern. This fucking guy walks out the door. This place was so fucking loud that I'm jealous that I wasn't there. I know, what a shame that Impact had tapings that night. Oh my god, man. This was fucking incredible. But it doesn't end there, because then he takes off this new mask, and it's Bray Wyatt. And his, he does his signature, I'm here, and blows out the lantern. And that's how we go off the air. It's the Bray Wyatt. Incredible. The Bray Wyatt of old has returned. Oh, man. They did this so fucking well. This was awesome. I really loved the Brody Lee tribute he put in there. Right. Let's talk about that as well. The door. Because, you know, if you remember correctly how Brody Lee debuted in AEW, mm-hmm. it was that bright blue light and he came out of that light. So when the do- you had the door there and there was just that bright, bright blue light, it was just it was just awesome. It was an awesome tribute. It was great to see uh, that to be able to play into Bray's return. But I also have a lot of questions as far as like his return, what, you know, Who's going to be the first to to step up to the fiend? Uh, who or I, I I can't call him the fiend. It's just Bray Wyatt right now. You know, is he gonna, is it going to be Raw? Is he going to be SmackDown? Are they going to put him right? Who are they going to have? I I would, I'm honestly thinking that Seth Rollins is probably going to be the first feud for him. Yeah, I'm going a different direction, man. He, he came back right after the main event with Rollins and Riddle. I think it's going to be Riddle. And the reason I think it's going to be Riddle is who's the guy that put Bray Wyatt out of WWE? Riddle's tag team partner, Randy Orton. Okay. I mean, I, f- I found it... I found the whole thing interesting. It was a really good pay-per-view, especially since you know you didn't have your main event people I don't want to say not main event people, but you didn't have your big dog Roman Reigns and the bloodline part of this. But this overall, this pay-per-view was great. I thought the producers of the matches had done a fantastic job. Uh, the storytelling was great. I'm excited for Monday because Monday means Bray Wyatt. One can hope. 
I would, I would be there. I can imagine that Bray's got to be going to Raw, especially with them just adding Braun over to SmackDown, Roman still being over there, at least until the draft happens, if it does end up happening. I, I think Monday Night Raw is the best spot for and I, I for feel Bray like White. they have to follow up with this on Raw. Right. Like, I think people will be pissed if they make everybody wait until SmackDown. Yeah. And but, another, another thing I want to bring up, uh, we brought up the light with the Brody Lee tribute, but if you looked closely, the mask that Abby the Witch was wearing, it was the same skull mask that Harper Bludgeon Brothers as the Bludgeon Brothers. Yep. So very, very cool. And another thing you talked and- about, you're not sure who he's going to feud with, Lee. You know, these characters that we saw in the crowd, are they going to be unveiled slowly to be, you know, the Wyatt Six? Are they going to be a faction? That's kind of what I'm thinking. That would make sense with his Twitter handle. Right. Yeah. That that would make sense. Um, And, you know, not even just the light and the door, like the, the way he came through, but the door looked almost similar to the colors too that Brody Lee incorporated into some of his his jackets that he wore in AEW. This was a very Brody Lee inspired segment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, was, it was great to see. I'm excited for Bray to be back and I can't wait to see what he does. Now I've got a question for each of you. Um I I want you to tell me your answer and tell me why. Out of all the matches on Extreme Rules, what was your favorite match and why? Justin, let's start with you. Yeah, you know what, man? I'm going with the Donnybrook match in the opener. Like I said, these guys, they can work a thousand times and the match is still fucking entertaining. You know, it's just, I I can't get over it. I want to see Gunter and Sheamus again. I want to see another six man. Uh, I don't think we really had Ridge and Butch against, you know, just Kaiser and Vinci at this point, but I want to see that too. It's just, I I have to imagine this eventually leads to Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship. It's got to, and they're constantly coming up with new shit to put in these matches, and it's just awesome. Like the the moonsault off the the barrels that uh, Butch did onto everyone was fucking great. Like it wasn't too gimmicky, like it had its fair share of gimmicks in the match, but. It wasn't like over the top or anything. Well, here's my thing too. If they just decided to go three on three at War Games too, we could also put Imperium and the Brawling Brutes in War Games as well. Right. So I which I'm not gonna say no to. Lee, favorite match and why? Honestly, the same as Justin. I, I there's nothing else to add. He hit it right on the right on the head. All right. Well, I'm going in a slightly different direction as you guys the the Donnie Brook match was right up there for me. It was a very close number two. My personal favorite match was the Raw Women's ladder match, the Raw Women's title ladder match, Bianca Belair and Bailey. I, I watched that match from start to finish. And the athleticism, the carnage, the snapping of the ladders in half, the whiplash that Bailey took off the rope coming off the ladder, the blood. I think that was one of the best women's matches we've seen in WWE in quite some time. And it just, it, it got an A plus for me. I was on my feet for most of the match while I was watching it because it's just not, it's not that often that Vince would ever allow us to get that invested in a women's match unless it was Charlotte Bailey and Ronda. And so for me, that one took the cake for me. Donnie Brook match close second, Bianca versus Bailey number one. Well, right on, right on. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the schedule this week for Perched on the Top Rope and Perched on the Top Shelf is you're getting this episode today. On Wednesday, you will have an episode of Perched on the Top Shelf as Justin and I's figure collectors will be reviewing the Ultimate Edition Mattel Creations uh, new generation ring and entrance. Say that five times fast. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, we also have Hasbro custom maker Chris Phantom on with us as well. Ooh. Ooh, I'm Chrissy Phantom. To... Yeah, right. I've got enough of his uh, custom, so it'll be fun to, to review and look at while he talks about how he's gotten into it and. Uh, other figures he's done and whatnot, which is really cool, especially something he's been doing lately that no other Hasbro creator is uh, doing. And I actually have one here with me. So fans, uh, Wednesday, you can also watch that. It's youtube.com, Perched on the Top Rope. And for podcast, it's anywhere and everywhere, Perched on the Top Rope. If I may interject as well, this coming week, we have we have Perch Gaming tonight where I will be doing the Impact Tournament for the World Championship. But next week, I will be going classic. And next Sunday, you will find me on Perch Gaming playing WWF No Mercy. Oh, shit. An N64 classic. Oh, yes, sir. So you can check that out. Twitch.tv, Perch on Top Rope. Friday... You will have our regular episodes that we normally put out on Fridays. Uh, that will include spoilers to October 20th Impact Wrestling TV tapings. Along with that, you might also get a special Impact interview if uh, I have it done in time. If not, you will also be hearing from Jordan Grace Heath and Mickey James, all from last week. Usually also on Sundays, but not this Sunday because we are doing this. So back to the regular, regularly scheduled program. Sunday is interview day for Perched on the Top Rope. And uh, yeah, I got a surprise for you all for uh, that week. So make sure you tune in anywhere podcasts can be found, Perched on the Top Rope. For all of those countries who have kept us in Chartable, we thank you. So well. While I'm doing these shameless plugs, I might as well just go right into it. Facebook.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. Looking for 11,000 likes, ladies and gentlemen. We're close. You can find us on Twitter at Perched Top Rope. You can find us on Instagram at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast. You can find us on TikTok where we do the great Selena scenes that you have all come to enjoy. And uh, you can also watch the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, get humped by a dog. It's pinned. It's TikTok, perched on the top rope. Ladies and gentlemen, you can catch Justin vlogging at youtube.com slash And don't forget to follow us on And lastly, coming up today, twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope, you can catch the adorable one gaming. It's twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope. And this is where normally I would say spoiler free is the way to be. But for these next two episodes, nah, spoiler is not the way to be. And if you're not down with that, I got two words for you, you mark. <laughs>